Glad that you're with us here on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Andre, thanks so much for joining me, man. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Just in sunny Florida right now, enjoying the warm weather. Yes, thank you very much for rubbing that in. Uh, as we are just um, covered with snow in Chicago, right? I mean, just, just brutal. So give me the temperature. Give me the temperature in, in Orlando. Right now, it's actually like low 60s. Oh. So still, it's still beautiful. I'm not complaining. It's chillier than usual in Florida, but compared to where you are, compared to where I'm from in Jersey, it's amazing here. Yeah, you gotta get a home there while you're there. I'm sure that you're gonna be scouting out some homes <laughs> because oh, all, yeah. all the actions in Florida, man. Whether it's Jacksonville or Orlando, that's where a lot of the wrestling is is anyway. So you might as well just find a little, find a crib there while you're living, or just get an RV. I will tell you, Andre, this is the first time that I watched a full GCW show. And I was talking about this earlier in the show about GCW, how it's got that ECW vibe. And just what I really love was the crowd at the Hammerstein Ballroom. I mean, I've seen ECW shows and I've seen other indies be there, but it was a different feel to um, it was just it was just different right i mean ecw had its day but just the amount of people that were there in full throat it was really special wasn't it it was so special the best part of watching it on tv was how raw it felt so you didn't get that filtered kind of clean cut way that like wwe and aw do it so you really felt like you were there you felt like you're in the stands and you're just you know, getting your mind blown just as much as everyone in Hammerstein. How does GCW fit with the other wrestling promotions? It's its own world, man. GCW is its own thing. Just like back in the day when ECW had its own niche and everybody followed ECW, that's the same thing GCW has right now. There is no other promotion out there that has the clout that GCW's holding right now. And especially with Ring of Honor going on hiatus and other companies just being open to just let everyone free travel between promotions, you get a lot out of GCW. And I think that's part of the appeal of why it's so inexplicable as to why GCW is huge is because of that forbidden door part of it, too. Like ECW, you knew who was there, you knew the roster, and you're not going to expect like a crossover coming in. But with GCW, you get that ECW power, but then you don't know who's going to show up in that curtain because Impact stars showed up and AEW stars were there too. So, and NWA, let's not forget NWA. Like, yeah. they're like, everyone was just rolling in at Hammerstein and it was insane. When you first saw GCW, what was your reaction to it? Because um, when I started hearing about it and saw the matches, is exactly what you said, all that crossover. But when you start watching the product, what stood out? What stood out to me the most was just the raw feeling you get when you watch a death match. Mm-hmm. Like, like you know when you watch movies and you see somebody about to get murdered, and but you know that it's staged. You know the choreography is behind it. But then when you're watching GCW, you don't get that feeling of staging or choreography or anything because you feel like somebody's getting murdered right in front of your face. I'm not saying that watching someone get murdered is cool. But to have a pro wrestling art form to show that hardcore, brutal style is just beautiful, especially with the creativity of the weapons and how they set it up. Like That's something that GCW has on its own, and I love that they went away from your usual TLCs there. Like, you know, they still have your ladders and chairs, but not as much tables, and they get more creative with what weapons they use, whether it's a door, a door and two chairs to make it like a table, light tubes, and a whole lot of it, 
Like there's the, there's a huge buffet there, and it kind of opens the door to make you think. Well, what else in my household can I use to swing at someone that causes a big pop? And GCW took that challenge. It just made you like really, really, really like invested in it. And, that's what I love about GCW. So, Andre, you know, not just the matches, but for me as a wrestling fan, I notice all the little things, the presentation, the camera work, the announcing. So just a few things I wrote down just watching uh, what happened at the Hammerstein Ballroom over the weekend. It's like, okay, so we got Lenny Leonard and you've got Dave Prezak. And I missed the third guy. What's his name? He's got two initials. The other guy, he was swearing the entire time. It was a third guy that was in the in the booth. And he was just kind of like, holy shit. It's like, oh, what the... announcer what, MLJ? And I'm not sure who it was. It was a guy with, uh, with, that was also on the broadcast. Um, and I don't remember his name because they never did an on-camera with the announcers. So I didn't get the, the other guy. But there was a third guy that was in and out of the broadcast. And he felt like how I felt with some of these moves. Like, if you're watching, you're like, holy shit, right? And it's, it's like, yeah. well, that's funny because that's how I feel. Even Lenny Leonard dropped an F-bomb when Nick Gage came out. That's the first time I've ever heard that. So it, it was it is that raw emotion. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Because he loves keeping it clean and professional. Yeah. But then, like, this other guy, he's the one that comes in with that color, the exact kind of flavor you want to see when a death match is happening or just anything GCW is happening. Like, holy shit. Or, like, just fuck that guy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah exactly. Just getting his way in. You're like, fuck that motherfucker. Like, I've heard that in, like, I forget which one, and whether it was Hammerstein or the one before it. Like, you just hear this guy just drop F-bombs left and right, and you feel it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know you're caught up in a moment when, like, when Lenny Leonard, longtime professional broadcaster, goes, Nick fucking Gage. I'm like, oh, geez, look at that. Listen to that. <laughs> He's really into it. And he apologized on Twitter he says I've never done that in all my years of wrestling but he said I got swept up in the moment and I I completely understand it man over 2,000 people and I would again we'd ask you to go to Fight TV uh, and and check that out if you hadn't seen this show because Andre and I are going to review it but you got to see the spectacle it's more than just the Twitter clips uh, or Instagram clips you have to be able to see this because it was just amazing so just like vintage uh, ECW GCW gave you a smorgasbord of different wrestling and I like that because it wasn't just it just wasn't um you know the the kind of smashing yeah, hardcore, and yeah, hardcore i'm glad it was i'm glad I, i'll give you an example like well i'll just go to the gcw world championship which really in my mind was the main event with john moxley against homicide so mm-hmm. i'm just glad you know andre that people are embracing what john moxley's gone through i'm glad what he said at aew he was able to speak his mind that was really cool and then for him to just come to new york city defend the gcw championship and just how the fans embrace and understand what moxley's gone through i think that's really cool yeah especially that everybody knows what moxley's going through and uh, his first introduction was in AEW, and he set it up perfectly. He made sure that every single person watching and in the audience understood what was going on in his head and why that that he had to step out and go to rehab. He explained it perfectly to what people are going through. And I know a lot of people, the close friends of uh, that I've had for years that are going through the same struggle and just to hear Mox's storytelling of what was happening in his head and what led him to those changes that he wanted to make for himself. It was so inspiring. And then to see him come back fully in GCW and just pretty much tear it up in the ring and just deliver completely 
it just made you feel great. It, everything pays off. That the time away that we didn't get to see Mox and how much we missed him paid off in that one night because you got a whole lot of Moxley and he's he's even better now than before he went to rehab. Like he's improved. Like I see his stamina, his physique. Like we're getting a better version of Moxley now, and it was fantastic that he started it in GC Dub. Yeah, and taking on Homicide, a veteran that everyone respects, and it was a you know solid match. Didn't have to take forever. I know they were up against it time wise, so it was good that John Moxley came out with the victory. But I, I gotta say this, and you can go as long as you like to talk about this because I, I, you talk about a reinventing for Matt Cardona. I mean, a, a guy that, you know, he's always ready, because that's his nickname, always ready, Matt Cardona. Mm-hmm. Ten years in WWE, he gets one moment. It's a WrestleMania moment. It's snatched away from him. And a guy that was on his own plane, Andre, on his own, you know, his own merit, was like, you know what, I'm going to make sure that I'm over on the internet. People's going to know who I am. Even though I'm going to keep losing matches, people are going to know who I am. He's out of WWE and now on Impact, NWA, GCW. He's everywhere. Cardona is about as over as any wrestler on the planet right now, just based on him betting on himself. Yeah, and the fun part about Cardona is he always says WWE was his developmental, and it shows because he knows how to work cameras. He knows how to work a promo and to get everybody really invested into what he says. And then now he just adds his personality to it and all of his accolades that he puts side by side there, whether it's with um, with action figures, whether it's whatever side hustle that he's doing. I think there's like uh, wrestling bendies now yes. that he's taking care of. <laughs> like You put all of that together as one package and then you sell yourself to the fans and you make the fans feel what you are and who you are and then boom it just picks up like crazy then for him to do a whole heel run just made everybody go like that shit for it because face cardona is great in and of itself like the cardona we see in impact and also what we saw when he was freshly released from the wwe but this heel cardona that is a gcw exclusive is absolute wildfire because Cardona just brings it. He knows how to piss people off the right way. And think about it. Hammerstein is in New York, home state for him. But he's still able to get everybody to stick a middle finger at him and have the big banner saying, if Cardona wins, we riot. And just the whole nine. Heel Cardona is the best. And to be able to see it unfold on the internet first before getting to that action, mm-mm-mm. Like, it was perfect that's why the world on gcw for me was perfectly set up and i use perfect a lot because um, i became a huge mark for gcw a couple of months ago and i'm seeing their stock price rise up and when you know it was just like nxt back in like 2015 and 2016 where you become a mark for it because each event is better than the previous one and gcw is on that track and they hit a new high when they went to hammerstein and i i partially have cardona to thank for that because he made that storyline push through and develop whether he was like all right i'm gonna do gcw oh i'm the gcw champion oh screw gcw i'm the gcw universal champion a little f you to the wwe there (laughs) then you know (laughs) turning heel to the point that everyone in gcw was starting to hate on him hard and he made people want him like that's the best part of cardona's transformation is he made people want to see him, whether as a face or a heel, but more as a heel. 
he made them want to see his ass get kicked and he sold the right merch said the right promos and this whole thing with joey janela which is a nice tribute to what was it rick flair randy savage back in the day with the photos and everything mm-hmm. solid tribute and it paid off last night in a hammerstein would you boo matt cardona because if you believe he's a heel would you boo him I would. Honest to God, I would. Because if I was in the heat of the moment, just as I was watching, and the way that he delivered it, like, first things first, enter Sandman, you enter into that, like, you must be the biggest asshole in Hammerstein Ballrooms, enter to, en- <laughs> to, to come into the ring through, enter Sandman. Like, nice big FUs. And if you're seeing Cardona as a face always, and now you see him as a heel, the first thing he does is has the Mick Foley vest on and the back says, fuck Mick Foley. So everything that he set up had a nice little way for the casual fan to hate him, for the hardcore fan to hate him, and just for the GCW, like, you know, uh, what was it, uh, ride or die. The yeah. GCW ride or die to absolutely stick the middle finger at him and just curse him out. Yeah, Cardona against Joey Janela in this one. And, um, you know... Andre, I think you and I both know how good Joey Janela is. I've seen him in the independent circuit in the Midwest. I've seen him wrestle for a long time. It's just that that time with uh, with AEW made you forget how over the Joey Janela is with the independent wrestling uh, community because Joey got as many cheers as as anybody on this GCW show. A really good match back and forth. All of a sudden, X Pac appears out of nowhere. It, it was, um, I think, it was a very compelling match, and they built their own. Story story you know they i saw what happened uh, with those two fighting outside and so uh, the match i think worked for both of these guys but i think it's a reminder for some that's like oh joey janela that's on AEW dark or the guy that always got beat on in AEW. no the guy actually is over with a lot of fans and this one in particular there's a little bit of like deeper meaning behind that whole segment because with Joey Janela, I think he was made as a star last night. Because in AEW, Dark, you'll see him there, but he's not, you know, people will just be like, all right, he's a mid-carder working his way up, but slowly but surely he'll get there. This one, though, is just like X-Pac put a rocket under his ass, and now, like, with through this feud with Cardona and whatever he does forward, we're going to see a whole lot more Joey Janela. But what makes this extra special, that it's in the Hammerstein, that X-Pac is there, was in the earlier days of Monday Night Raw, it was X-Pac, who was still one, two, three kid, going up against Razor Ramon. And it was at that night at the Hammerstein that X-Pac was made because of that pin and became memorable. So now you fast forward almost 30 years later, and you have Joey Janela, a kid that's on the rise that just needs that one push to get him going, and here comes X-Pac to be side-by-side side with him in the same building that made X-Pac as a wrestler. And that, and it's a re- part of the reason why he's a Hall of Famer today, because of his memories and his moments in that very building. So that just seeing that alone just blew my mind when all the dots connected in my head. And that's what I love about pro wrestling today is that there's a lot of dots connecting. I grew up in the Ruthless Aggression era, to the PG era, to whatever the one was before what we're in. Yeah. On all those, they had a lot of loose ends. They did not let the dots connect, let stories be told. But now, mm, mm, mm. I am so happy that I waited 15 years as a fan for this. Yeah, now it's a renaissance, right? Now we can be able to mm-hmm. see it open. So I, I liked what I saw. And by the way, Xbox says he has another run in him. He wants to come back. I don't know what that looks like, but I think he's he's interested in coming back for one more run. 
Dude, Xbox Jack. He is. He is ready for it. He is in pure wrestling form right now. Like, Billy Gunn made me believe in everything. I saw Billy Gunn out there when I went to Dynamite. I'm like, really? This is Billy Gunn now? Like, watching old Attitude Era stuff, you see him as, like, a little bit skinny with some meat on him. Then now he comes out like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like, oh, my God. When I'm going to hit that age, I want to be just like him. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm not sure about the testing at AEW. we got to look into that a little further. Um, <laughs> just, <laughs> you're not supposed to be that old and look that good. So we got to check in and check some vials and check some testing there at AEW. Um, so here's an undervalued match, and that is Jeff Jarrett against Effie. Now, I talked to Jeff uh, to promote the East, the GCW show uh, in Hoffman Estates, and I need to talk to GCW. They could have had a better venue than that. I don't know why they chose Hoffman Estates. They could have done this in Chicago. They could do this in Cicero, a couple other plate, 115 Bourbon yeah. Street, uh, which is a great wrestling independent venue uh, in Marionette Park in Chicago, the Chicagoland area. So I don't – that was odd that they chose that venue because it – GCW is on the way up, and I don't know why they chose that. But nonetheless, I, I talked to Jeff before this, and I asked Jeff, I said, Jeff, so who is this character? Who Who is this last outlaw? He goes, I'm not sure. I'm working on it right now. He goes, I'm not sure. I said, there's something very creepy and, and, and odd about him. Jeff uh, against Effie, I think, was it, it worked for me because Jeff is not the flashy guy with the, you know, with the white hat and, you know, ha ha and all that. He's not yeah, he's doing not that. He's not as much. No, he's, he's more Johnny Cash. I, yeah. That's the way I felt out of it. Yeah. I, that got me really interested right from the entrance. It was like creepy, eerie. This is not Jeff Jarrett, but I want to see where this goes. I like it. I, I like what Jeff's doing there because it's a whole different guy. It's slowed down. And it's and now when he hits you with the guitar, he drags your ass. And it's like, okay, now that, and then puts you in the stroke. On top of that, that was the finish in this one against Effie. And I'm like, oh, God. Okay, so that looks dangerous. So he, it's a little bit of a darker Jeff Jarrett, which I think is good for him. I mean, he's 52 years of age. He's not going to wrestle every night. But I think that the character is a lot different. And again, we talk about reinvention, right? That's good for yeah. Jeff for a part timer. Yeah, it hits perfectly now for Jeff Jarrett because, like he said, yeah, he is a part-timer. And, of course, the body takes a toll. So when you're working matches, you got to hit a more psychological base instead of physical. And Jeff Jarrett's character now just fits the role. It fits, like, it's everything you want out of Jeff Jarrett today, especially you're going up against Effie, who's one of the most loved guys in the GCW locker room. And he's a staple and to have him go face to face with this darker Jarrett and let Jeff Jarrett get the win with that guitar, like I, li- I literally th- uh, thought walking into World on GC Dub that Effie was going to get the win, and it's going to be off to the next rivalry. And I was thinking, all right, Effie's going to use a guitar, smash Jarrett in the head, and then that'll make sense. Dots connect. But the twist they took there, where Effie had a little moment of hesitation, Jeff Jarrett took advantage of it, then he got his finish in. Which, like you said, it looks very dangerous, and I'm really impressed. It just makes you now want to see Jeff Jarrett a whole lot more. Mm-hmm. And who, who knows what's going to be next for him? Is it going to continue with Effie, or he's just going to reap and reap and reap what's the you know what's offered in GCW and maybe find his way into a title picture? I don't know. 
but I would love to see that. Here, here's the essence of wrestling, Andre. You ready? The essence of wrestling okay. is is Jeff Jarrett reinventing himself in a character that you and I are interested in, and at the same time being on SmackDown from Nashville doing the old cheesy gimmick. That that's that's the essence of wrestling. Like he's he's on SmackDown with the white hat and he's just doing this that nonsense, that terrible gimmick, and then in GCW he's he's over even more so. It just that's the essence of wrestling. You never know where you're gonna get booked. Yeah, and that makes fans have that reminder to always look elsewhere. If you see someone in the WWE look where else they're working because you're going to get more out of them when you watch these other brands like GCW, like an Impact, NWA, and so on and so forth, simply because of the creative freedom you get. So for anyone that's listening now that's a huge WWE fan, keep being a WWE fan, but have your eyes open. We're in the buffet now, man. This is not anymore like a one-stop restaurant where you walk in, have your meal, and go, then come back there next time. We're in a buffet mode, man. Like, pro wrestling right now is the golden corral of it all. Yeah, it really is. I want to ask you about um, the Briscoe Brothers, because that was the main event. I don't know who's timing this show, but you know fans, especially on social media, wanted more of this open challenge for the Briscoe Brothers for the Tag Team Championships against Nick Gage and Matt Tremont. So were the titles taken off of the Briscoes because they're leaving, going to AEW, going to... WWE, what, what's what's the future of the Briscoes? Because the Open Challenge was there, and they lost, and well, that match was maybe less than 10 minutes. So that one was a little bit awkward, because when I, I watched it three times, because I really got lost in what the hell was happening. Yeah. And, yeah, it was a two-count, in my opinion. It's still two-count, because I don't know if it was, like, Mark or Jay. One of them, like, pretty much, like, hit. Uh, <laughs> like, hit both of them at, right up when two was hit um, on the ground. On the mat, so I'm still kind of confused about what the hell's going on. But in terms of the Briscoes, my, the antennas in my tinfoil hat are pointing toward AEW. That maybe the, yeah, they're clearing out their belts and their commitments just so that they could be able to have a full AEW run and just smoke the tag team division. That's gonna be something like you know coming soon. I can feel it. Maybe at the least or the earliest would be the Revolution. That might be the day when we might see the Briscoes like hop on to aid up but that's something i'm still up in the air for because technically you don't need to lose the gcw title to make that aw run because look at gcw's champ right now john moxley he's an aid up too so i like you know i don't think that they dropped it simply because of their moving there but you know when you when you're against nick gage in the tri-state area it's hard to book <laughs> yeah, it's hard, it's hard to book a match against Nick fucking Gage. Yeah, and and yeah, and for Gage not to get over, I mean, exactly. Yeah, I mean he's. I, yeah, so I would say if there's two thousand people at the Hyman Ballroom, how many people are there to see Nick Gage? If it's two thousand, how many are there to see him? Two thousand and one. <laughs> That's it, right? Like everybody, right? Because he's the one. He's the one to close the show. He won the tag team championship with Tremont, so it just seemed like the the time was against them, right? They had like a three hour five minute window, so they tried to. It wasn't like the Moxley homicide match took forever, but it just seemed like the window was short for him to get that last match in. So. Yeah, and the pacing, too, was totally different compared to the other matches because with this tag match, you could feel the rush happening right from the get-go because uh, the spear happens right to the table. I mean, not the table, through the door. 
right away. So you know that this is going to be a fast-paced match, and they kept up with it. But yeah, the finish was awkward in my opinion, but still it made sense. Everything there made sense, and then you see Nick Cage like deliver a promo. Maybe that's another reason why they they kind of rushed it too, is they want to make sure that enough time for Nick to say a couple words and close out the show. And it worked because it was only for five seconds after that match where the whole crowd was just like, what the hell's happening? That that was two. But just because Nick Gage got the win and the atmosphere just shifted and became more like a huge celebration happening right in front of our eyes, that's why you didn't get to feel that awkwardness as much. And then Nick got the mic right away and took the show home. So for me, that main event, there, yeah, there could have been some couple screws tied in, but I loved it. I hands down loved it. All right, so I know that you're into independent wrestling, and I'm starting to really get into it as well. I'm not sure if we can call MLW an independent, but I guess in some ways it is. I know they're going to be in Chicago at some point in 2022. I've been watching Warrior Wrestling, and I, I just I, I'm just amazed at some of the the matches that they have. They're going to be at Cicero Stadium in the Chicagoland area on February 12th, so I'll be there for that. But what about you in your area, in New York, New Jersey? Like, what indies have really stood out to you as far as the, the cards and the talent? Okay, so before I get to Jersey stuff, I have to give big kudos to Warrior Wrestling for making some the nice belts ever. Yes. Their title belts are beautiful and they're dangerous because all those spikes, you could stab someone with it. Yeah, freaking Will Ospreay in New Japan is using, is, that's the one that was around his waist. He had like 18 yeah. belts, but he, that's the one that he showcased the most. Warrior, Warrior Wrestling was over in New Japan. I think that was pretty good for them. That's definitely good for them. It's really good for them. They made they made good matches. They have a nice title that they could really show off, and it's unique. It's not shaped like every single other title belt. So kudos to Warrior Wrestling for really thinking outside the box when they're designing their titles. But going over here to the East Coast, GCW is a product of New Jersey, so that's number one on my list. But other than that, you've got Northeast Wrestling on the rise. Then that's New York, New Jersey area. Then you have like, well, there had um, Wow is one of them. Warriors of Wrestling. Yeah, that one is that one's very very underground and working its way up. And the other big one is Wrestle Pro. But the special thing about Wrestle Pro, and it's kind of that company kind of summarizes indie wrestling as a whole, in my opinion, because Wrestle Pro has your up and comers mixed in with like Wrestle Pro veterans mixed in with like people you see on tv because impact wrestling has a partnership with wrestle pro and because of the forbidden door and just the atmosphere of wrestling now we're seeing more and more indie shows ending up to have this big mix of like well-established talent up-and-comers and the legends and we're getting all that in each show which is why it's so much fun to go to an indie show because back then i would be like all right the indies are cool but my eyes are still on what's on tv but now tv is finding its way to the indies because of wwe releases and the forbidden door everything happening all at once so that's why the stock price now of indie wrestling is at its highest because we are finding that return to the territory type system and for me when you talk about wrestling all together 
there's it's like three tiers now in wrestling because back then it was like wwe then all the territories or if you even go back further to like the 50s and 60s it was the nwa is your top dog then every other territory just followed suit mm-hmm. then when wwe came over they took over as the top dog and then wcw tried taking it down but nowadays, instead of having that one company above the rest, it's kind of like a three-tier system where, of course, you still have the top, which is going to be your like your WWE, AEW. And depending on who you ask, you could say Impact. For me, if Impact lands a big network TV deal with, like, uh, let's say, like ABC or something, then maybe I could throw Impact in because their product is doing really well now. Mm-hmm. But that's your top tier. The second tier is what I'd like to call the territories now of wrestling, where it's not a geographical territory but it's just how much space they take up in in like in, on the clock you can look at how much t- hours per week wrestling fans invest in them and that second tier which is like your territories that's where i would put an mlw that's where i'll put now a gcw put nwa and impact once again depending who you ask they're up or down there ring of honor was there so all those major ones that do have TV exposure, they end up being that quote-unquote territory. And the last tier, there are all these indie events. And right now, everybody's helping each other out because we're in a whole different world. It's not as competitive as it was before. And that's what I'm loving about this whole indies wrestling system and circuit that we're seeing today. Because you could see an indie darling that you came to know and love after watching a couple of shows take on a big name. Like uh, like Impact's Eddie Edwards is a frequent on Russell Pro. And we'll see him go up against people that are like, you know, homemade Russell Pro talent. And then boom, you, that talent gets over. Eddie Edwards gets a pop. Everyone goes on happy. And that's how indie wrestling is today. And I'm, I'm loving every single bit of it because... TV is carrying over now. What you're seeing on social media, what you're seeing on on like on your phones, what you're hearing on the radio and podcasts, whether it's Busted Open or um, or 83 Weeks, Grilly Jr., everything there, they are they're all coming together. Everybody's coming into this blender for wrestling. It's not as um, it's not as divided as it was back in the day. Yeah, you could throw in Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday as well. You could throw that mm-hmm. in there. Yeah, you could throw in yeah, my... set you up for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could throw mine in there as well. Um, I was just reviewing... Tell me if I should go to this show. This is this is Warrior Wrestling 19. I don't know if Will Ospreay's on this card or not. I'm not sure. They were just in South Bend last week. I think it was last week and sold out in South Bend. Uh, so they did that well at uh, around Notre Dame. So... Bandito against Dante Martin, the mm. the Briscoe brothers against the Workhorsemen, um, Warhorse against Dalton Castle, nice. Santana against Speedball Mike Bailey, uh, Sam Adonis, who I'm gonna fall in love with every time I see him live. Like it's like where has this guy been? Like Sam Adonis against Lince Dorado, uh, the acclaimed against K, uh, Brian Cage and KC to Casey Navarro, I believe. And then keep an eye on Casey Navarro. That kid will be someone that will be extremely, extremely important in the next five years of wrestling. And my words on that. And then a four way that involves uh, Myron Reed. He and I have heat, by the way. I'll tell you about that later. Um, Gringo and uh, Blake 
and Zayn. I don't know if I don't know if uh, Osprey's on this card or not. Um, but I know he was in South Bend, and I don't know if Thunder Rose is on this card as well. But I'm thinking I probably should go. <laughs> I probably yeah, should go. That's without question because even if you don't get an Osprey or a Thunder Rosa, that card in and of itself is stacked. You've got a mix of talent from all over the place, some GCW, some Impact, some AEW. So you're already getting some good quality wrestling, but to even have the slight chance of seeing Will Ospreay and Thunder Rosa in there, to get a ticket and go. Um, so, okay, I want to get your tinfoil predictions, but last question So about this, and then I want to get your tinfoil predictions. So, Andre, where, where are these companies getting the money? You know, independent wrestling was so different back in the day where if you got like two people, right? If you got two wrestlers that were there, independent wrestlers, and they would be at the top of your card, they would be the draw, right? But now, yes. like a GCW or just these other promotions where you are, where I am, man, it just up and down the card, like it's just young talent or veteran talent that's get, getting bookings. And it's not just two or four. It's like you get a, you'll get a tag team match back in the day that would be four veterans, or you get like a singles match that would be, you know, but now up and down the card, where are they getting the money for this? See, money-wise, that's the big question. I have no clue where they're really, like, you know, getting the funds for, you know, getting big-name talent. But either way, I'm I'm just going to say shut up and take my money. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just wondering, like, like the but, sponsorship. Like, I don't... The whole thing, yeah. um, now that I think deeper into it, you, one part of it, too, is the COVID era is still kicking in. And you have wrestling fans hungry for a big show. So anyone that's a promoter, if I was a promoter and, you know, I was looking through COVID, and the moment that they give the green light, I'd be like, okay, I want to make money. I know my fellow wrestlers want to make money. So let's do something big. And let's, I don't care about budget because one way or another, we're going to turn it around and we're going to make it happen. That's why you'll see places like uh, like where GCW went in Chicago. You'll see places like that look like a field house or like a bingo hall or something small. So they'll pay very little for the venue, but then they'll stack the talent. And that's where all the money goes to. And in return, people will flock to that small, tiny venue just to see the people they love. And then boom, money bags, money bags, money bags. Well, listen, on SiriusXM's Busted Open, SiriusXM 156, you're known as the guy that has tinfoil thoughts about wrestling. Like, you just come out of nowhere, and you have very long, curious thoughts about wrestling. So, whether it's Royal Rumble, AEW, Independence, Impact, NWA, could you just give me some of your thoughts about 2022, some things that you've been thinking about that could occur? All right, biggest one on my list is when and where are we going to see the Hardy Boys first? Yes, they made the announcement that they'll be doing some indie shows, but when are we going to see them on TV? My prediction would be Revolution. Jeff Hardy is going to come out there with Matt on Revolution. That's the big one that I I just know it's going to happen because I did like the 90-day calendar see, you know, when Jeff was released, when he'll be good to go, and that day it was at March 6th, he's in the clear. So and I'm pretty sure that he's eager to get back in the ring. So that's my number one that, that's on my list, even more than the Briscoes being in AOW. Just because of the star power that the Hardy Boys could bring to AOW as a whole. Now in terms of Royal Rumble, that one's a little bit trickier because the men's rumble, I cannot read one bit. The women's rumble, though, 
that one's easier to understand because the fact that they already gave us two thirds of the roster, and they, you know, there's very little surprise left. But my gut feeling is that Bailey will come back, and she's either going to win it or be one of the last two. Mm-hmm. That's my gut feeling when it comes to the women's rumble. The men's rumble, though, that one is still wide open for me because they haven't said much about it and we don't know really who's coming back or who's going to be there who's coming out of injury like that one's still a huge question mark so maybe i might just text you in the middle of the night when it hits me for the men's rumble (laughs) that one i had no clue All all right then now if we're looking at mania oh boy mania is a tough picture there because i still hope that that uh lashley lesnar happens at one point because i don't want to see brock roman again as much as good guy brock and the tribal chief are making so much money there's still a whole different feature between lashley lesnar and even though we might get it at the rumble i know there's gonna be more to it and hey you never know the rock might come back too oh that fills in the gaps for for roman Oh. It's, it's lining up it's because a lot of people are asking The Rock about it and he's talking a whole lot more pro wrestling more than usual so and WWE's like social media accounts are always posting something about The Rock so one way or another we're gonna see The Rock in some capacity whether it's a video from like you know bare minimum a video message saying congrats Wrestlemania glad you're here whatever or we might see him against Roman I know a lot of the dirt sheets, a lot of people speculating are saying that's going to be in Hollywood. It's going to be WrestleMania 39. But WWE right now has to get through 38, two nights of it, to be exact. And what other way can you sell out a whole stadium than having The Rock come back and facing his cousin, who is the biggest draw now in the WWE? Like, I just can't wait. So does your tinfoil have the WWE drawing 200,000 people for WrestleMania on two nights at uh, Jury World? Wait, could you repeat that? You chopped out there. Yeah, yeah does your tinfoil hat have you have the WWE uh, drawing 200,000 people, 100 per night at Dallas Stadium? Honestly, no. I think that what they might do is maybe like, you know, block out the upper bowl. Like that, that 400s or 500 section, they might be able to either put curtains on it or just find a way where the cameras won't catch it. And then whoever ordered tickets there will, will find their way down. That's how I'm feeling, because if you're going to put COVID and everything into, into the picture here and try to really analyze what's going on, I think that they will not sell out both nights, but they're going to have a big turnout. You know, there's still going to be a big turnout. People are still going to show up for both nights, but it's not going to be 100,000 times two. It's oh. not going to happen. Oh, so empty seats. You mean like the garden? I see. You mean they like the garden after Christmas? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, the garden after Christmas used to be jam-packed. Yes. Dad and I went every year. And now, oof, forget about it. Hell, the Raw After Survivor Series this year, I was in, I was like right there 10 feet away from when Seth Rollins got attacked by a fan. That place is empty, too. Ooh. Oof. See? Now, this, and this is why you... 
I'm, I'm going to tell you, Andre, and I know how Vince works. Vince is already attacking um, AEW about their business practices and blood and guts and all this. It's right out of their playbook. They did this to WCW with Eric Bischoff years and years ago. The playbook is attack the sponsor, attack the corporate partners, right, mm-hmm. to get everybody to come see them. There is concern at Titan Tower about what we just talked about, GCW, the emergence of AEW, just how all these other wrestling shows are drawing. And in the backyard of the WWE, in Long Island, in New York City, they're just not drawing, man. But not, but on, this, on the flip side, SmackDown is doing well. SmackDown last week did a 2.3 rating. 2.3 million households are watching this. And I'm like, okay. Even though the action may not be as good as we would like, people, at least on Friday nights, are watching. Well, Friday nights has the biggest storyline in all of WWE. And people are heavily invested because you got Brock Lesnar back in the picture. And then you got Roman Reigns just killing it every week. Whether he's just sitting on a couch and just has a stare that gives a weird, subtle message, or it's Roman in the ring kicking somebody's butt, they're doing something really great right now, and people are investing. And I hope that the rest of the SmackDown card gets fixed up just in time for Mania so that they could be on par with where Roman is. But I totally understand that SmackDown is on the up and up smackdown is the one there's honestly the only brand of wwe that's on the up and up because raw that one like of course they'll get better as they get closer to mania but it's still a rough and brutal thing to watch i need you to talk talk to mother marissa about you getting some air time because you're killing it Right here on this show. I think that, you know, you move Dave out of the way. Dave LaGreca, my friend, move him out of the way, and then you take that chair. Just kill it. That's what I say. Yeah, just, just one day where no one can work it, you and me will take over. Oh, I would love that. <laughs> I would love that. You know how much I love being on Busted Open, Series XM's uh, on Series XM 156. Again, Monday through Saturday. You can also check it out on the Series XM app. And, Andre, I'm glad you spent some time, man. I'm glad we were able to talk GCW. I was really invested in what I saw. And 2022, interesting time for wrestling fans. That is for sure. It is a whole new era. I know that everyone's saying, oh, we're in the current era right now. And it's still like on its way up. I say like 2022 right now enters this new era because we've hit the point where it's socially acceptable to hop from one brand to the other and have fun with it. And like, look at Mickey James right now, too. She's another one that that made the forbidden door a revolving door. Like, geez, Impact, NWA, and now WWE. Like, she's all over the place. So I'm loving it. This is the era that we're in now. Open door, anyone, anywhere, anytime. And it's just, sit, you know, sit down and enjoy the ride. That's what pro wrestling is today. That's right. Can't wait to see Roman Reigns show up on Impact. Andre, as always, man, I appreciate you. <laughs> For a swap, you know? Moose <laughs> thinks he's the greatest, greatest wrestler who ever lived. Just ask him. I ask him all the time. He thinks he's the greatest. Dre, thanks, buddy. Yeah, thanks so much, Jonathan. I'm looking forward to hearing from you and Bust It Open again. Because seriously, I, along with all the fans of Bust It Open, love it when you're on the air with us. So please, if you find your way back to the Saturdays or the weekdays again, please just just come on back.
Good to hear from Andre Viola from Series 6M's Busted Open, one of the producers at Busted Open. He's so good. He's so good. He's so talented. And he helps all the hosts as far as getting prepared, getting ready for our shows, whether it's Mark Henry or whether it is Tommy Dreamer, Bully Ray, uh, Dave LaGreca, Ryan McKinnell. We really love Andre because he is so passionate about professional wrestling. Hey, don't forget to check my bio and look for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday merch, whether it's T-shirts or sweatshirts or tumblers. Whatever you need, it's right there. Again, if you follow me on Twitter at WrestlingTWT, on Instagram at WrestlingTWT, check it out on YouTube as well, YouTube.com. Look for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. My friends, the merchandise is there. Put it on. Put Get a T-shirt. When you go to an independent show or AEW or WWE show or any other show, make sure that you get TWT on your back because I got your back. Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Thanks so much for listening to this special edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday as we talk GCW and independent wrestling. Thanks for listening. Tell people the Jonathan Hood Talks Wrestling on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Oh,